It's the Classic Red Green Show Podcast! Hi, and welcome to the Classic Red Green Show Podcast. As always, I'm your host, AJ. Wow, so here we are. You know, it's hard to believe. We're at episode 16. Um, We're committed to doing our two-ish podcasts a month. Uh, So this is August, uh, late August 2021. We had a, a podcast, our episode 15 show was earlier in the month, which I'm pretty happy about. It seems to be really well received by the fans. Um, you know, I'm pretty happy about that. You know, it, it feels nice to be back doing kind of a semi-regular or regular podcast where we're doing it every, you know, couple of weeks, at least once a month, but preferably a couple times a month. So I'm pretty happy about that. Feels good to be back in that in the saddle that way. Um, I mean, it's hard to explain it. It's funny how. You can go from doing a show every couple of weeks to doing it, you know, very sporadically, you know, over a couple of months and then back to it. But how easily you fall right back into kind of that that groove or um, I guess I'll say schedule. Probably the best way to explain it. You know, and of course we have... The Red Green Show podcast itself. Um, They've been really firing all cylinders once a month. Um, I know in our last podcast, we talked about how there was going to be an upcoming episode. That was episode 14. Um, So, I'm sort of doing the news segment now in a way. But uh, that podcast had actually dropped since we last talked. Um, so that, that episode 14, that's available to everybody who, at this point, who's involved with the Patreon for the show. Um, you know, if you're a fan of the show, if you like the show, when, obviously, if you're going to listen to this, you're going to love the show, you're a fan of the show, um, you're going to really like what they do with the podcast. It's basically a show. It's, you know, a, a new content from their part. They set it up really a lot like um, the show used to be. So it's something of interest to you. I'm pretty confident anyway that it would be of interest to you. So I recommend having a look at that if you haven't already looked at their uh, Patreon and kind of signed up for it, or at least experience kind of what they're doing. I'm, you know, and hats off to them. I'm impressed. Here we are. I recall when it it really was going to come out, or at least hear the rumblings of it, broken here in this podcast, actually. If you go back, um, we we did break the news on that. Um, 
you know, here we are, episode 14. You know, that, that podcast. Obviously, episode 15 is going to drop. Uh, this is later in August. Um, pretty much any day now. Um, today's, uh, uh, you know, and again, for context sake, if you're listening years in advance, you know, years in the future, I mean, this doesn't mean anything for you. If you're listening to it uh, just after this drops, it, it's the 24th, 25th of August. And, of course, last month, they dropped episode 14 on the 25th, sometime in the morning. So, presumably, um, and, and to put it this way, I mean, they haven't actually put the early access out, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably going to come tomorrow. If you are a um, Patreon supporter who has early access privileges, but if, presumably, it's going to drop in the next two or three days. So, you know, if you're a fan of that, um, definitely good things are coming. But of course, you know, we're not going to sit here and talk all night about the, uh, the Red Green Show podcast, because this is the classic Red Green Show podcast, and we have a uh, agenda all for ourselves, as we are going to do our own show. Um, as I said, this is episode 16. So we're going to look at episode 16 of the Red Green Show, which is called Lodge Visitor. Um, It's a pretty good show. It's sort of... I'll put it this way. It's very unique to season one in just how they present themselves and more or less just how they sort of uh, really put the show forward to you as, as a viewer. So, um, in my opinion, it's very similar to Season 2 to some degree, or I guess sort of the the pace and how they do things. Um, so, I mean, that, that's pretty cool. You know, it's sort of foreshadowing for Season 2. And like I said, I'm a big, obviously I'm a big fan of Season 1. I love Season 1. Um, season 2 I really like and I sort of and I've said this before I sort of really wish they had expanded season 2 forward so essentially I, and, and again when you look at season 3 it, it I have no necessary, I'm not really a complaint I think season 3 is particularly great um, I'm just curious to see what they could have done with season two if they expanded it to future seasons. Um, the concept of being in the lodge, I feel like, is one that season two, of course, really represents well. But I think they had not fully explored what they could do with it, and. As much as I enjoyed Season 2 and how that was set up, I feel like there's just that much more they could have gone through. Um, And I'm kind of sad that we don't get to see that ever. And we probably never will. I mean, a lot of these actors are starting to get older. Um, I know they certainly have their own thing going on at any given time. Um, But you're probably never going to see something quite like that again. So it's sort of sad. I mean, it, it's also good in a way where you can kind of visualize where that would go. Um, it represents a very important time in the show and kind of moving forward. 
it represents something where if you've seen these these episodes or the season you sort of get a context when they talk about certain characters at certain times or doing different things um, is more of a um, kind of like the Red and Herald playing off each other. Um, especially for some of the unseen characters, you sort of get that kind of imagination of how that would look and, and that type of thing, which I think adds to the show. Um, it's all I have to say. You know, this particular episode I, I'm really excited about. It, uh, it's probably not my favorite episode of the season, but I do really like it a lot. So I'm curious to get kind of your take on that if you have any sort of opinion comments questions whatever on this episode uh please feel free if you're a member of the red green fans facebook group you just go on there uh i'm gonna drop the uh hey this is the podcast link type of post in, in the coming days so just go on there and just fire that on there i would love to hear your opinion on, on this show this episode kind of how you enjoyed it if you've got any sort of hey i remember when i saw this when uh your first impressions kind of thing um i'd love to hear that if this is the first time you've seen the episode um i'd love to hear that too i'd love to hear what your impressions are because i think that this particular episode sets the stage for season two which of course sets the stage for the future of the series so uh, to me again Maybe not the one I love the most for season one, but the one that really represents the future of the show and needs to exist in order to get the show that we love. Otherwise, I mean, let's face it, there's a good chance we don't see anything past season one, and this is just sort of an afterthought, and I'm doing a podcast for something that happened 30 years ago that no one cares about. So it's kind of amazing that how this this episode represents so much of the show so um we'll kind of go forward from that point that's kind of my monologue for today we'll give a little thanks to our sponsor of the episode this episode of course uh rail line designs um of course their slogan is get your design on track uh, and we'd like to thank them for their help. They've been a great sponsor with us. And they've helped us put the show together and, and be able to pump this out. So, uh, granted, I mean, the show is done really on a shoestring budget. And, again, kind of like Red Green Show Season 1. Very shoestring. Uh, they're really just pumping it out at the absolute bottom amount of cost they could possibly do. And, like that we've sort of taken that role as this podcast. So I want to thank Railline Design for being that sponsor who's able to at least give us something to kind of keep going with this. Um, they've been a great sponsor for the whole length of this podcast now. We're now over two years, which I'm very proud about. We haven't got through season one, um, but I'm hoping that we get there. And I'm looking forward to the future. Um, I, I've definitely been having some meetings with the Rail Line Designs people, and I'm hoping to continue to get their support moving forward. So, part of that, of course, being in a podcast situation is to sort of, um, how would I put this, um, 
you know, shameless promotion, you know, and looking for the listeners to say, listen, this is a great podcast, you enjoy it, I enjoy it, I enjoy doing it, but I'm sure you enjoy listening to it, I hope you do, and more or less, just sort of getting to a point where we're saying, hey, if you can, if you can help us out, you know, go to Rail Line Designs and help them out, um, really look at what they have to offer. If that's something of interest to you, by all means, go ha- go ahead, um, place an order. Because every order helps them, which helps us. So, um, we have that kind of marriage as the, uh, the sponsor and kind of the, uh, the podcast. And I'm hoping to see that f- through in the future. So, uh, again, thanks to, uh, obviously, you as a listener. Thanks to Railline Design some great uh, great sponsorship of course with that we'll get to the news okay so for the news today uh, we don't really have much the only news I have, really, that I'm going to say, well, I'm, I'm not going to say it's the exclusive news, but um, something has come up on uh, a Wisconsin newspaper. It's called uh, Across Wisconsin. It's uh, via patch.com. If you look it up, you can find it. And it's a uh, letter to the editor. Um... I believe, anyway, it's, they're not really good at explaining this, but I'm going to gonna throw this out there anyway. It's entitled 40 Degrees North, A Handy Guide to Rural Constituencies. It's by Donna Keller, or uh, Kalner, sorry. Um, and uh, she's credited with the Daily Yonder. And she talks about, this was August 18, 2021, and she talks about... Um, uh, she lives in northeast Wisconsin, which and I'm going to say a uh, shout out to everybody in Wisconsin. There is such a following for this show that exists in Wisconsin, and I can't really, I can't really showcase it as in, in you know, say a numbers situation. I, I just know for a fact that there's a very, very, very strong following of the show in Wisconsin. It's always been that way. Um, right since the early 90s, mid-90s, um, that sort of time kind of field. Um, it's it's really been strong. I, I, my personal thing, I mean, again, they've got a very strong PBS over there. Perhaps that's part of it. I know the Red Green Show and, and, and Steve Smith in particular has been very, very vocal with their local PBS affiliates in, in Wisconsin. But I, I can't help but feeling that there's a certain um, mid-Canada vibe that comes out of Wisconsin that just sort of is unique to Wisconsin as far as in the United States, uh, but also shares some similarities with um, kind of uh, sort of the middle areas of Canada here. So we're talking Manitoba and some of uh, northwestern uh, Ontario and that kind of region. Um so I'm not not really surprised. I know it's still very popular. I know, and I've been told uh, by members of the show and by staff who work on the show 
that they've had a very very strong um, uh, you know fan base or, or kind of interest from Wisconsin I mean to the point where you know people are renting buses and we're going down to show tapings and I'm talking from Wisconsin to Toronto Ontario um, it's not like it's an hour or two away. I mean, these are, are day drives just to get to the show taping, and they're coordinating that. So, I mean, again, as a fan, and as a fan who clearly lives much closer than that to where they were taping in Toronto at the time, you know, my pro props to them. Um, my hat's off to those folks for doing that, because for me, it was only you know a couple of hours tops to get to those recording studios those people are driving days and making actual vacations or um really just like trips to toronto um trips to another country just to see the show so i mean hats off to them but going back to this particular letter and, and again from donna Callner, um and I'm going to scroll down. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it, it's pretty lengthy. Uh, but she talks about uh, northern Wisconsin in particular. So I assume that's where she's from. And just sort of how she understands the region. So the culture, the interest, um, kind of just how people are there. And she notes, and this is something relevant to Red Green, so I want to bring this up. So she notes in quote, maybe it would help if they watch a few old episodes of the Red Green Show. The fictional town of Possum Lake does remind me a bit of where I live. This of course is northern Wisconsin. She goes on to say, my favorite segment, Handyman Corner, usually featured a generous amount application to duct tape and ended with, if the women don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy. So she, she goes on to talk about stereotypes of rural people, and, and she believes that, yeah, the show may provide some fodder for a stereotype. However, you know, people, particularly in a rural area, certainly have that sort of... Uh, in, uh, I don't even know how to say it. I guess it's really just more of a, a notion of being handy and being crafty and that type of thing and just sort of making do with what you have. But they're not, you know, like these, you know, quote-unquote hicks. It's just people just doing their thing and just trying to make the best of what they have, whether the city or country or, or that type of thing. And she talks about, you know being from northern Wisconsin or in a rural area and yeah there's a lesson from Red Green on the art of conversation and she goes on to talk about that and she says you know political campaign or political candidates on the campaign trail still mimic the sartorial style of Red Green and she talks about this in a way where she's saying you know a lot of people maybe from rural or from an urban area will look at them and say you know what's wrong with these people but those people are talking amongst themselves as people who have that common interest and that common kind of theme behind them 
like one of the, I'll put the I'll put it this way. One of the debates that you have there, I guess in in kind of her jurisdiction, her area is a debate about whether rap is a place in country music. And a lot of people might consider that as being, you know, kind of like what are you talking about? But in that area, that's a legitimate concern. Maybe they don't feel that rap should have a place in country music. You know, and maybe the community feels that that's just not representative of themselves. And fair enough. I mean, I wouldn't expect to go into an urban area, like say, and I'll just throw this out there, you know, like urban Chicago or something, and just say, you know, those people will, you know, show them a show of red green, doesn't matter the episode, and say, listen, does this represent you? And of course they're going to say no, it doesn't represent them at all. And I guess she's really going on about how the show represents them as a people and a, a, as kind of a region. And just sort of saying, listen, folks, you know, I don't care where you are in the country and where you are as far as urban or rural or whatever, but don't look at us as being a bunch of hillbillies or hicks. I mean, we have our own unique style, our own unique kind of perception and that's us you know and, and she talks about red green in kind of a positive light there and I'm, I'm really receptive of that it's a, a thing about the show being you know this is who we are now whether you like that or not or that represents what your interests are or not is irrelevant but that's where we are and that's kind of where we stand and I can appreciate that it's you know and again the red green show is not for everybody if you're, um, you know, if you grew up in an urban environment, you know, downtown in a uh, major center, and, and, you know, there's going to be just different things that apply to you that just don't make sense to the Red Green Show, and vice versa. And that's okay. And I think that's a good point about a reflection on kind of our society today where and again i want to thank her for that because i think this really demonstrates well and, and i recommend you go look at that what she's got here but it represents something where in modern society i mean depending on where you are and where your background is certain things don't make sense so you can't really go and say to these people hey i don't think you're right for what you believe in or what you say because you know, I don't see how you see, and I don't think that where you are, that's a legitimate concern or a legitimate issue. And I think that part of a problem with our society today is looking at that and making those assumptions, where it's not true. And I mean, don't get me wrong, that happens in, in kind of a both direction context. So, for example, someone in a rural area might say, hey, what's wrong with you? This isn't how I see things, and vice versa in a, in a more of an urban setting or, or, or whatever. So it's kind of fun how she can talk about, hey, the Red Green Show represents kind of where we are over here in our group. And, you know, yeah, it's a, a stereotype and whatnot, but that's sort of where we stand with our representation. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I really like that. That's it's a good message. It's you know this is where we stand. It's yeah, sure. It's a fun show. It's a funny show. But we we stand with this, and that's fine. And I think that it's very respectful that she's able to come out and say, "Hey, people, this is where we're at." 
you know, and, and kind of use the show as kind of a, a measuring stick. This is where we're at, you know. And I look at other people and I say, you know, you tell me where you're at, and maybe that's a good place where we can start making some gains as a society. So, um, I really chose this article, and I mean, yeah, it, it's kind of a new thing here. It only came out the other day, but I really wanted to highlight the fact that the show could transcend kind of societies and segments of the society and we can kind of say hey this is where representation stands but you know maybe that's a way we can come together because if you can appreciate the show for the humor and appreciate somebody for that humor representing their lifestyle maybe that there's a way that we can look towards um, finding some understanding that way. So I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah, I'm, and again, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. Um, you know, it's pretty interesting. A show that now has been off the air for 15 years is able to represent people. So, you know, I, I'm very curious to see where your thoughts are, and I'd love to have those on. A future show on say like a, a mail call segment so um, you know have a look at this article you know really think about it and feel free to write to me at the website the classic red green show website um, or you know subsequently the Facebook group because the, you know the red green fans Facebook group is a great context um, for kind of how each of us lives. I, at least that's how I want to treat it. So I'm curious to see your thoughts there. So I'm going to go to another... Uh, this is another letter that's in the Cowichan Valley Citizen. So if you do CowichanValleyCitizen.com you'll get to that uh, main website. This one came out on July 30th, 2021. It's a letter, Canadian content rules just encourage poor quality. And I'm not going to read all of it. I mean, I, the gist of it is that if we enforce Canadian content, it's going to water down the content itself and make it basically, you know, subpar. It, the essential idea being that, you know, if we're forced to do this, you know, people aren't going to care and it's going to be garbage content. And the good content is going to be sort of left behind in a way because they're forced to do so much content. And this has been a debate in Canada for years. If you're Canadian, I'm sure you've heard of this before. If you're an American, this is probably a weird subject to come on. Um, obviously in Canada, there's a lot of concern about Canadian content, um, American content taking over and sort of uh, subjugating the Canadian people as far as what represents them or what their interests lie in. So there's been a very big debate about this for generations now. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole article or the whole letter to this editor or whatever. Um, I don't think that's really important. But I, I'm very encouraged um, by the particular letter writer here, April J. Gibson from Duncan, B.C., and she talks about various Canadian content that was good in the past. 
And she talks about cult classics like The Littlest Hobo, The Beachcombers. Um, she talks about Johnny Tess and Caillou has been sort of the flip side of it. It's a very poorly written TV shows that are thrown out there just because, hey, we need to put something on here It's Canadian. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have thought of those two shows particularly. Um, there's definitely a lot that I could think of. Uh, a lot on CBC, to be honest. But okay. I mean, again, I appreciate what she's saying here. I think, I'd and to be honest, I agree and to some degree. Uh, but she also mentions that Canadian content is good, and she mentions the Red Green Show, Murder Mysteries, don't need the regulations that are in place in order to exist. Uh, and quite frankly, I agree. And this might shock you, because you're thinking, well, how can you agree? This legislation allows for a show like the Red Green Show to be relevant, um, put on TV, uh, to gain a following, the whole deal. And I'll put it like this. The Fred Green Show is on uh, in Canada, not necessarily because it's Canadian content, quote-unquote, but more because it's a really well-produced show, um, well-written, well-acted, and it just it strikes an, a chord with most Canadians. So it's the type of thing that I think has developed a cult following for sure. I mean, let's face it, 15 years it's been off the air, and here I am doing a podcast. You know, here I am, I've got a a signature website that's the top website, um, the top fan website of the show, and it's 15 years later, and I'm still doing stuff for it. You know, the Roy Green Fans uh, Facebook group, still very, very popular, 15 years after the show went off air. You know, it's because it, it's done well. It's done right. People worked really hard, but it was done in a good way. That's why I don't think the Canadian content rules would matter to the Red Green Show. It would still be on TV regardless of these rules or not. It is just a good show. It's done well. The people who are involved in it are um, amazing people who work really hard and have done something amazing. That's the bottom line, you know, and that's the debate we have in Canada, uh, particularly over the last 20 years or, or possibly 30 years, um, certainly from what it, my experience anyway. Um, and more or less, it's, you know, do we need this? Is this important? Personally speaking, I think Canadian content puts a lot of subpar stuff out there and. Uh, for both TV shows and music, and particularly I have some experience with the music side where, you know, there was a good band, for example, that I particularly am close to, and, you know, again, good on them, they, they did everything right, uh, they were a decent band, were they worthy of being prime time? I would argue no, but Canadian content says that they are, because they need Canadian content. And that's something that, over the last 15 years, that I've looked at. And clearly, I was proven right because they've since disbanded over the last 10 years. You know? And again, good people. I, I wish them well. I have no animosity towards their success. I, I wish that they would be very successful in, this, in the same realm as, say, a Nickelback or something. They weren't. Um, 
personally, I think that they were probably more of a regional band. But again, Canadian content allows them to be national. And there's some value in having Canadian content, of course. I think that we should support our, our local TV and music industries. However, support and just allowing people to do whatever, regardless of, of quality, is totally different subjects. And the Canadian content rules, as they are today, suggest to us that if you are just pumping anything out, as long as it's Canadian, theoretically it could be thrown out on TV, variety of channels as content, and just sort of, that's it. You know, there's no real drive to make a quality show and I look at the Red Green show and I'm sure that April Gibson here from Duncan BC has also done the same thing and says hey this is a great show lots of people love this and I'll preface that by saying like, we go back to this in Wisconsin lots of Americans love this show and from regional areas it represents something to them it strikes a chord with them and that deserves to be aired because you have a support base that says, hey, we like this, put this on TV. That's the problem with Canadian content rules. It doesn't matter if there's a following. It's Canadian content. We've paid for it. It goes on TV, and that's your problem. You know, and she says, forcing Canadian content on unwilling viewers is not a good thing. That's why, because it basically says to people, if you put something out there, it will be put on TV, there you go. And, and you'll get paid. It doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter how much people will watch this and resonate with them. It's Canadian content, it has to go on, we just have to fill a slot. So we meet our obligations under the law. Um, and that's the thing. that I'm just looking at... Like I'm thinking... Red Green was such an amazing show. And so great. You know... It didn't need Canadian content. But a lot of other shows in Canada do. And... Personally speaking... I'm hoping that the Red Green show remains a show... That people look at... When they're in this industry and says... That's the one we want to be like. Because it'll drive people in Canada to put out quality shows that's, and again, quality across the board. Acting, writing, directing, the whole deal. Quality shows that people like, but that resonate with them. So I, I appreciate what she's saying here. And again, if you're an American, this is probably totally irrelevant. But it does serve as a good test case to say, what we put out, does it mean something? Is it important? Is this something that people are going to have that resonates with them? You know, and I look at the Red Green show, and yes, it does. I think it does. And I, I prove it by saying... Look at our, our podcast here. Look at our website. Look at all this other stuff that's going on that's maintained over 15 years since this show's been off. And it means something to people. People love the show. That's what Canadian content should be. It should be an acknowledgement of this is amazing and it meets so many different things to so many people that it still is relevant years later. 
so I look at that and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I get it, you know. And I, I want to say, if you're somebody who likes Canadian content, I mean, by all means, th there's nothing wrong with that, of course. Like, there's, there's a lot of great stuff that comes out of Canada. Um, and across the board, too. I mean, how many great actors come out of Canada? Um, just, for example, here, AEW Wrestling. How many of the wrestlers, and I mean, like, the, the higher-end wrestlers are Canadian? There's just so many. There's so much good stuff that comes out of here. And I think Red Green is a big part of that because it sort of pushes the door open. And again, another thing about like Canadian content. Canadian content really allowed Red Green to just have like to pay the bills, to have the lights on, the whole deal. But as I've been told from sources, the show really made its money going international, selling the rights of the show to be or to be aired in different jurisdictions, primarily the United States with PBS, but also other jurisdictions. The show wouldn't exist if it wasn't something that was successful to a degree internationally. So think about that for a minute. You know, Canadian content will pay your bills, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have success. It doesn't mean you're going to have long-term success, or you're going to be able to have the show on long-term. The Red Green Show is the exact kind of example that I would say that Canadian contact doesn't work because it doesn't necessarily mean your guaranteed success. It just means that you have enough to get by. You know, if it wasn't for 94 or 95 where Steve Smith buys the rights of the show out of uh, off the 93 season and then starts marketing it heavily to international buyers, that he's able to actually make some real money in the show and turn it into what it is today and turn it into something that lasts 15 seasons you know that that would not have had and i guarantee you you ask him yourself if you call up smith of the smith productions and you ask for him he will tell you this will not happen under canadian content rules we will not have 15 years in this show yeah so again it's another hat tip to our friends in the states our friends at PBS, because they were prime uh, participants in the show being successful and being on the air this long. So I want to bring that to you. I thought this was a very interesting article. Again, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. If you're from the States, you know, does Canadian content rules make sense? If you're from Canada, does it make sense? Is this something that we should spend money on? Is this something that helped the Red Green Show, but also has helped stuff today? Is it something that's relevant today? Maybe this made sense in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. Is it relevant today? I don't know. I personally think it doesn't. I don't think it's important now. I think we could spend the money somewhere more important. You know, but I want to hear from you. You know, so send that in. You know, it doesn't have to go on a future segment if you don't want it, but I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. If you want to on... Um, a mail call segment in the future, I mean, by all means, let me know. I, I have no problem with reading that out. Doesn't matter what your position is, I will read it out, read it word for word. Um, but I'm just curious. So, yeah, we'll move on. The one last thing for the news, 
because we have no mail call segment today, so we'll just keep up with the news, is I was watching an episode of Comedy at Club 54, and if, if you don't know what that is, if you're obviously from the States, if you're from Canada, of course you might know, depending on your age, uh, Comedy at Club 54 is a long-running show, so early nice, say 93 to about 02, they had the show, before flipping to the internet. And it was just kind of a stand-up comedy show. And it ran out of Club 54, which is in Burlington, Ontario. Um, this particular episode, or episode of a show, is, is notable because they had a lot of Red Green alumni would come through the ranks. Um, they had a very strong representation from Second City and, and that, especially because they have a, a huge campus in Toronto. Huge uh, program there. So we had... Um, a lot of people involved with that particular show, and um, I mean, really, the the main one I recall seeing was Patrick McKenna would come on do a set, uh, but a few other uh, uh, actors from the show would would come on as well. I mean, they were notable comedians at the time, say um, early to mid nineties. But I do want to recognize a little bit of work that somebody from today's episode that we're going to get into episode 16 which is mark wilson uh and he of course plays glenn braxton in the red green show but i want to acknowledge a little bit of work that i don't feel is represented anywhere online in that he was involved uh booking talent and whatnot in uh, comedy at club 54 so uh, that was something I noticed in the credits. You know, Mark Wilson, it's kind of a more of a common name, but I mean, I know for a fact that he was involved being his work in comedy and, of course, being in Second City. Um, it was likely something he was doing um, in addition to the Red Green show, probably. Uh, I, I know for a fact he was doing a lot of acting at that time in the mid-90s, but obviously this is something he was doing on the side probably good for good money but i don't think anyone really realizes that this happened so it's sort of breaking this um you know 20 30 years later um as something that he was doing um i i double checked on his wikipedia page there's zero information on comedy of uh, club 54 so i'm assuming that this is something they have not acknowledged or put on there so um a little shout out to mark wilson He's done some great work. I know recently he was on Letterkenny, which, uh, if you don't know what that is, look it up. It's a, it's a great show. Hilarious comedy show. Uh, a few Red Green alumni on that show as well. Uh, but yeah, he was on Comedy at Club 54, so that was pretty cool. Now, of course, Comedy at Club 54, it's still a thing. If you're in Burlington, if you're visiting Toronto, check that out. They have a website, of course, for it. Uh, it's a great place. The original host from the 90s is still there, which is pretty awesome in my opinion that he's still doing this type of stuff. Um, the uh, uh, the host is Ben Guyot, who was the host in the uh, 90s and into the 2000s on the television show they had. Uh, you can find clips online. If you just look up your Google machine and type in Comedy at Club 54, you'll find it there. Lots of it there. Um, they also have a website. They also have the history of Club 54 on their website. 
Um, so they have a lot of information there for you to do. They even have a Canadian TV history mini documentary about the whole show and, and the club itself. Yeah, I'd say it's worth a watch because there's going to be some... I'm not going to say a reference of, of a Red Green show alumni, but there's certainly, it's sort of the mentality at the time and, and kind of how they presented themselves, and it makes sense. So it's worth having a look at. So I'll say that that's the news in a nutshell right there. So with that, um, kind of we've been out here for a while. So we're going to look at our episode of the week. It's called Lodge Vis- Visitor. It's episode 16. Um... It's kind of fun because, of course, you got Glenn Braxton. Um, you know, he's going to be appearing in the episode. You got Bob Stuyvesant again. Uh, we talked about him in a previous episode here when he had his uh, his debut in the last episode with Bruce Center, of course. Um, Hale Green uh, is going to be there, of course. Uh, Red Green, Bill Smith. Uh, so that's going to be kind of our group for this particular episode here. Um, to give a synopsis, um, essentially there's a bear inside the lodge. Red's going to make a basketball net out of a creatine. Uh, the natural res- resources guy, because Bob Stuyvesant, is testing water on the golf course, and Bill is going to go snorkeling. So if you want to follow along, you can actually watch the video while we talk here. Uh, maybe put on the sound on mute and kind of listen in. If you want to do that, just hit up uh, your Google machine into your UB2Bs and um, just type in Red Green Show Episode 16. It'll be the only one that comes on there. Um, so I'll let you do that and uh, we'll take kind of a pause. Um, maybe pause the uh, pause the podcast here and then we'll get right into it here and you can follow along. Okay, so... Get our starter right here. Okay, so we're uh, we're talking episode 16, Lodge Visitor. So this episode debuted July 13th, 1991. So to think, that was just over 30 years ago. Pretty amazing. Um. I kind of regret not having an episode a week just to keep up with the uh, 30 years on this, but, you know, is what it is, so. Still pretty cool. Okay, everybody, it's showtime. So here we are in the, uh, the hallway of the lodge here, so. Again, it's kind of amazing they come through there because I know if season one is not really attended by fans, they could pull away with that. Subsequent seasons, that's just something that doesn't happen. You got a great shot of the side. You can see if you really look at the background walls, they've got that squared off, that brick field, which is part of how they uh, built the set. Keep moving here, he's sort of hustling them off. Okay, we had a heck of a day up uh, yesterday. Uh, a bear come wandering in here, right in uh, broad daylight. A bear come right it's in. It's funny how this. So this one here, lodge visitor. It's about a bear, kind of harassing the lodge members. This episode was sort of borrowed for season two, where they have a bear that's sort of 
hang out around the lodge, no one can leave. So it's kind of funny how they sort of reuse the same content for the episode like a year later from this. Carol demonstrating how crazy he is, he's got all these things to do. My advice is that you just drop this whole bear story thing, get right on to the next segment, Toot Sweet. We're losing viewers. I think this is the one they talk about. Click, 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 click. You're gonna lose viewers. Yeah, there we go. I hear him changing channels right now. Should get on to the next segment. I think it's more interesting than this. This is boring. You can definitely tell I remember this one from when I was younger, watching the show. I haven't seen the show in probably about 15, 20 years, to be honest. I'm kind of embarrassed about that. I mean, again, doing the show, the podcast here, and the website. You think I've watched and steady, but I don't know. Very limited when I watch these days. I mean, life has uh, a way of getting away that way, so. Um, unfortunately, I'm not able to watch all the time. I have a little story, a sad one to tell. A fella. Kind of fun here, he's doing a nice bonfire here. Bonfire song. Do you like the, the, the background here if you listen to crickets? So, again, it's telling me that, man, this is a nice, kind of beautiful August night. You just imagine yourself there, just sort of like by the bonfire and just sort of playing some music. And you probably filmed all the segments on this one, so. Must have been a fun night. Playing with some little basketball here. So this was done, uh, this this video here was shot, there's kind of a little shed or complex just up to the right of where this was shot. And this was uh, south of uh, Hamilton, towards St. Catharines. Probably about half a kilometer away is a CACH um, tower. And that's part of how they knew what the area was. I can't say that they actually cut down this tree in real life. Uh, I don't think they did, but uh, you know they've got to make it for a pole, right? So makes sense. It was kind of like sort of a dirt driveway or dirt kind of roadway. And to the right is um, my understanding, anyway, is sort of a shed. And they primarily use that shed and that location for ventures with Bill and they had to, uh, to use that throughout the whole series you'll see it kind of here and there where they shoot there switch power tools which again is that's a major uh, commentary that he uses throughout the series especially in Haney Mayport of course a nice auger which is I mean it would work presumably but uh, more for ice so yeah uh, you can see what's going to happen here I bet We'll, we'll watch. Once it gets it going, of course. So we talk about stereotypes. You know, just think yourself here in northern Wisconsin. I mean, that's... That's, that's a stereotype. In a way. Right? Here he goes. I have to admit, as a kid, I thought this is just, like, hilarious. Just hilarious. Uh, okay, uh, we got our pull up there now. Uh, okay. It's funny, there's a tree in the back, or a house in the background, so I guess that's the farmhouse there. Okay. 
Got Muskoka chairs right there in the background, kind of a little bit. Yeah. Old Ford Ranger, F-150 tailgate. He's got a point. Uh, you know, yeah. Nothing roll out. Can only imagine what he's gonna get here. You know, yeah, the augers just sort of just dumped there. But like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Where do you find that? Yeah, I'd say so. Again, the Red Green Show, the only show that would have a Star Wars reference. You know, in, in 1991. You know, today it'd be like whatever, but 1991? Good for them. Looks like the Harlot Globetrotters, huh? Harlot Globetrotters. Anyway, uh, until next time, remember, if the women don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy. I'll tell you, how about that background? Like, that's got to be like a nice July or August. Can you just see yourself there? I, bet. Okay, I don't like uh, it. Okay, with more of the show and uh, the exciting conclusion to the bear story. Simpler times. Exciting Simpler conclusion. Time. Must be a new story about the bear. <laughs> sort of like, you know, Harold uh, embarrassing a little bit. Hmm. Oh, here we go with the poem. And again, it must have been an interesting segment. Maybe not so much because it'd be cold, but it's kind of far. You shuffle out in the morning darkness to the row of cars on the street. Shovel away the drifts around the tires. Mm -hmm. Sweep the snow piled on the car. If you're Canadian, this makes sense. The crust of hard ice from the windows. Unless you're like BC. That's not your car. That could be a problem. I was saying, uh, a bear just came wandering right into the lodge. Big, ugly, stinky bear that we all just figured was Moose Thompson. I was just going to say, it, so it's not Moose Thompson. Were too small. It's funny that a guy who looked like a bear would be named Moose. Indians are a lot better at naming people than we are. So there you go. You now, get a little context on Moose Thompson yeah, just from that segment alone. It's pretty cool, eh? I like a Harold's just hustling along. Eh, no one cares. Three, two, one, kill. See here he's got like so here's the thing I, that's sort of a, an issue with the show. Earlier and later references will have him saying, Oh yeah, we're gonna go and he just click 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 ran his uh, his axe. But here he's queuing off to staff outside of the camera sphere. So like what's the deal? Shouldn't he be like hitting his axe to make the next segment roll? I don't know. Sort of a weird thing. Sort of like kind of a weird thing I do it. First Glenn here, he's more interested in being on the RV than being at work. Which um admittedly when I was a kid don't get it. Um as an adult totally get it. So again, it's interesting how the show transcends different age groups, different times in people's lives, where you get to a point in your life where all you rather do is enjoy being off and just sort of doing things, being on vacation. Like, think of yourself, you know, June, July, August, just being out driving around in your RV. You know, if I'm 20 or 21, not at all. If I'm 35, 40, 
That sounds like a good time. You know, if you're middle age, that's that's pretty cool. Like that here, he just fires him a, a drink. I still cannot. I don't remember what drink those are. But he's like firing him. And again, who washes an RV with a sprinkler? But yeah, if you recognize that drink, let me know. That was one of the things when I was a kid even. I could not figure out, and it's been driving me like, insane for probably 23 years. Because I remember watching this, it was Comedy Network. They first um, started in 96 in Canada here. Um, of course, season one was uh, the first season to kind of go on the Comedy Network. So I was probably watching this sometime summer in 96. Um, 25 years ago now. Um, have no clue. Honestly, no clue what the drink was. Dear old Capone. That's French. Occupant. Classic Harold. Anyway, he goes, um, how much would you give for a world free of war? Fear, well, this is a good one. I remember this. It's a good one. Oh, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Now again, keep in mind, 280 is probably more like 650 today. Okay. You may have already won a million dollars cash, tax free. Oh, excellent! You're a millionaire. Oh, that's that is so fantastic. This is great. Ed goes on to say, "Would you be hmm. interested in receiving magazines at a tremendous discount?" I love this. Well, I think you're going to have to tell Ed that uh, now that I'm a millionaire, uh, I want to pay full price, so I'm not really interested in the magazines. And you have to admit, that's clever. And an admission on my part, whenever I get telemarketers or anything else calling me about, you know, oh, we can save all this money, that's the excuse I use. You'd be surprised how much you get hung up on for that. Mention with Bill. So we try something kind of exciting this week. Thought uh, Bill would show us how to go scuba diving. So we brought all the gear. No, I'm not really sure where this dock was filmmed or where the segment was filmed. Nice stomachs right there. I was gonna say, like, don't take it off here on the dock, and uh, you know. And then he had the oxygen tank. Wanted to show him. Well, you know that was gonna happen. Rains of the rain of water. I'm assuming this was done in Muskoka or Port Carlin. In case you're wondering. This little air hose. Listen, they did a ton of filming in that area. What tips me off is the background. So you see, it sort of looks like kind of a rocky shore, like kind of a massive rock that comes out of the water. Very, very similar to Muskoka, specifically Muskoka, uh, towards Huntsville, Ontario. Um, you know, you have a lot of lakes where it's like that, rock right into the water. And of course, you're kind of around like, you know, you could have a dock kind of shooting out for kind of off the side or something. You know, you, got, you see the uh, the walkway up, so it's probably, it makes the most sense, it's probably the Muskoka somewhere. Um, very common. 
very calm. You know, uh, Bill's the expert. I never um, think uh, to know what I'm I have family who, um, who do a lot of blasting, uh, dynamiting, that type of thing. And uh, a lot of the uh, cottages or estates up there, uh, they need to blast or eat into the, into the base there, so a lot of rock. And uh, so that's pretty normal. That's what tips me off for the Muskoka area. Which again is not that far off from Fort Carling, really. It's kind of the same realm, so. You know, which is what I believe is the, uh, or what I would attribute to being Red Green uh, kind of headquarters, the uh, Possum Lake area, the fictional Possum Lake. You know. What was all that there, the uh, water splashing up in red? And you see kind of like, you know, a couple of clouds, not too bad. You just imagine if this was in color, it would be a beautiful day, like, just imagine a beautiful August day, you know, 25, 20 degrees Celsius, you know, out in the lake, you know, messing around. But then eventually he did pull on the, he pulled on the rope and uh, I started yeah, that, that, that's heaven right there, I mean, that's, that's a good place. If I was a millionaire, didn't have to work, had all, all, all the money I ever need, that, that's kind of one of my life right there. Well, it makes sense. Notice he has the wetsuit kind of peeled down to his, uh, just below his, his chest there, is kind of towards his waist. It is summer. Only with Bill. By late August, everyone in your family is cone-shaped. <laughs> Always like that. And then backing up here on the, uh, the one way. Uh, technically, it's, oh, but it's right, and of course we have here, um, one of those last segments where we have the Red and Harold kind of talking and, uh, throwing some horseshoes and, you know, weird stuff happens. Like this. Nice sound effects. I have to wonder, like, how did you not hit the peg or whatever? Or close, like you're hitting some guy and some guy yells at you, like. But again, awesome life. So you can see why he's the laziest guy in Possum Lake, right? No, I saw this tube on the side, it's hanging down here. I thought maybe that should be attached to the curb here. Could be. Maybe I should take it back to the lodge and try it. I would, sure. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Glenn. Uh, what do I owe you? Uh, how about a little something for the RV, right? Yeah, 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 that could happen. <laughs> Uh, we'll be right uh, right back after these messages. Well, give them more reason. You know, like your guests. 
Oh, okay, yeah. We're right back, and I'll tell you about the bear who wandered into the lodge. He was a guest. And of course, back to the scene where Red in the. Uh... It is spring. We walk amongst the flowers, bending close to smell their fragrance, pressing our nostrils to their pistols and stamens. How would you like it if someone stuck their nose into your reproductive organs? Sorry I asked. Fair enough. Oh, here we go, Bob Savison. Here's another thing. If you're in the greater Toronto area and uh, you've done some golfing, can you basically identify this course? Because you got two things at play here. Number one, this is probably 1991, 1990. And number two, um, does it still exist as is? And I'm curious to see if anyone's able to find out if this is still a thing. This still a course, still a hole, or whatever. I'd love to know some of the courses that uh, Bob has played on. You can tell just from the, the angle. So if you look in the background to the right of Bob here, kind of the light shading is, is going to tell you it's early morning. It's probably like 7 a.m. in the middle of the summer. Um, not fully light out. And again, you look at the two guys, they're not fully lit up. So the sun isn't totally up yet, or at least not in their direction. So... I'm assuming it's probably early in the morning, they're probably not busy, so they're able to do these shots, but um, just curious on the course, because it's not one I recognize. So it's funny, he talks about the guys at the lodge, and in his season 2 episode, he ends up getting married to uh, a stripper. And he talks about getting the guys out for his uh, bachelor party. So, sort of, uh, again, I talked about this episode being one which is recycled to some degree in season two. And that's sort of another instance where this has happened. So, pretty cool. Those guys are not in for a game of golf, you know, get out there, get some fresh air. I just can't believe they're out of they don't like to have fun, is that it? Well, no, I, uh, you know what they're like. They just don't like joining things, that's all. You're talking about they join the lodge. Yeah, they? I was going to say that they join the lodge. The but there's no fish guts to clean out. Well, they really enjoy I think it's more they just they don't want to walk. They don't want to, you know. Again, this is 91. You know, today there's probably, like, most people just take carts or whatever. 91, I think a lot of people are still walking the course. They had their kind of cart that they pulled behind. So... Probably just more laziness. And I mean, it's Bob. I mean, the guy's freaking nuts. He's got a good point. And again, keep in mind, he's like with the ministry, right? Like, oh, I guess the private company's going to do it, not the ministry. You know, literally any sort of like anything, right? Oh, sure. The early bird gets the worm, the worm gets the fish. 
And again, here's the thing I never got as a kid. So the guy is clearly lazy to the point where all he does is play golf despite working. But he shows up at 6.30 in the morning. It just does not register for me. It's sort of like if you're that lazy, you all you will do is play golf. Why are you there at 6.30 in the morning? You would think you roll in about 8-ish, maybe. So, unless he's on flex time, which I guess maybe 6.30, but yeah, I have no idea. Seemed odd. It's funny the grizzly bear. So it's uh, again, it's sort of one of those things where it's like, hmm. I get it, but like. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, it's a grizzly, but grizzlies don't exist in Ontario, so it's sort of like, I find that hard to believe, but um, brown bear, black bear, probably black bear, probably more likely, but, you know, minor detail. At least he knew Harold's name. course and then they go back to talking we don't know what they're talking about i wish i could read lips if anyone can read lips i'd love to hear what they're talking about i think harold's the easiest one to like to read lips on um considering the banter between them over the series uh, series but like the episode in particular season one in particular i find it hard to believe that they sit there and just have a casual conversation about stuff and at the show. But hey, I have no idea. It's one of the weird things about the show. So. Yeah, so that's really episode 16 of the show. Um. I don't really have anything more on the show. So. Uh, we're over an hour. So let's just end this thing right now. Um, it was a good episode. Again, it's one of those episodes that I'm not... I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the season, but it's one of those ones that are really good. So I would say, you know, if there's a 22 or 4 episodes of the season, um, it's probably in the top 5 maybe like four or five of the season so um particularly because i have to say that um this episode lends itself towards another couple of episodes in season two that i think it's important so i'm gonna put that over there um take that for what you will um, but yeah, that, that's where I'm standing on this episode here. So, um, with that, I'm going to talk about our sponsor. Just a little shout out to our sponsor of the episode, Railline Designs. Look them up on 
your interwebs at Red Lines Designs or on Facebook. They also have a page there. Uh, help them sponsor us because um, they've been great uh, partners with this podcast. Um, of course, look at uh, Classic Red Green Show on Google. Um, you're going to see uh, our website's going to be there. Uh, Red Green Fans website as well. So have a look at them. Um, and, and get on there and kind of, kind of talk about your interest or your experience or just anything about the show. I'd love to have you on a future episode of the show. So um, looking forward to that. So with that, I'll say uh, have a good night um, and keep your sick on the ice.